agreeing to a move to Old Trafford at the end of the season. You're listening to the news on RTHK. And welcome to another Saturday and another episode of The Week on 3. I'm Christy Lai. Hope you are all enjoying the gorgeous weather today. On this fine morning, I'll be bringing you some of my top picks for the week here on Radio 3. Let's start out with some cheerful songs by wonderful singer songwriter Gwenji. Before we get into the interview, let me tell you a bit about her. Gwenji has been singing for more than 15 years and is absolutely amazing at writing folk and acoustic tunes. Not only does she play the guitar, but also the violin. On Tuesday morning, Gwenji came into the studio and sang a couple songs for us. But first, let's get to know more about her. Yeah, I'm a singer-songwriter and I play mainly folk because I um, I wrote my music with, you know, just my guitar and mm. I just sing along usually and then write my songs. Mm. So. It's easy to classify myself as a folk singer-songwriter, but I also like to do like different kind of stuff, like um, you know, with my band and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, folk singer-songwriter. <laughs> okay, well let's let's get into the first song and then uh, come back and talk a little bit more. Yeah. Um, what's the name of the song? Uh, this song is called "Don't." Okay. Yeah. Let's hear it, Gwenji, yeah. live at Radio Three. <laughs> sure. Try. 
don't want surprises. Tell me you won't mind. Show me what it's like to be left behind. Alone, my tears are dry. Great song, Don't, uh, Don't. from Gwenji. Um, yeah, beautiful sound, beautiful sound. Uh, yeah, really nice. Um, you know, what got you into singer-songwriter mode when you, you started out? What, what was it that uh, influenced mm. you? So I, I told you, like, I started singing, like, when I was probably um, 10, 11. But, mm. I, of course, I, I didn't start writing songs that time. I was too young. Not, not good enough to be a prodigy and so and then um, I started writing my music and uh, I think at the age of 17 um, I started to play in a band being the vocalist of right. the band and then uh, we tried to write some songs because we want to you know make it proper you know we have original to have our stuff. Own, yeah, original <laughs> songs and and so I um, I started writing since then and I because um, you know, as a teenager, I don't have a lot of um, stories. Like I, I, I think singer songwriter is a skill. A singer songwriting is a is a skill. Being a singer songwriter, songwriting, and then I, I don't know what to write about, and so I ask my friends, my my classmates, to tell me their love stories, and then so and I put them in my lyrics. Right. That's how I started off. Right. As a singer songwriter, yeah. So tell us about that song that we just heard called "Don't." Um, don't. It was written in um, 2020. Um, so, that you know, these days in Hong Kong, there are a lot of people leaving Hong Kong, and also uh, in my life that time, there's a person that uh, left, and I felt really emotional and sentimental about it. And somehow, uh, in the lyrics, I said, "I please don't leave me behind." But actually, it was written after he left. So. Um, it's just a like a little diary about um, how I don't want this person to leave. But after two years, it's two years now, and I think, um, yeah, you I survived. Mean, yeah, I survived, and <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm alive. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's that, the the song. Yeah, that's no, mm. that's great. That's great. <laughs> Um, okay, well, tell us about another song. We're going to hear another song now. We're going to hear a couple more songs a little bit later on in the in in the program. Um, this is something slightly different. Yeah. Um, so um, you would like me to talk to you about the the songs yourself, right? So this song is a um, song which is quite meaningful, I think. Um, it's about to accept different kinds of love. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Right. Yeah. What's it called? <laughs> it's called Confession to My Lover Doll. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you more about it later. Guess it's a long story. I think this song. Yeah, we'll have a listen. It's, it's like a lesson. Look forward to it. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. Gwenji live at Radio Three.
Singer-songwriter Gwenji on Tuesday's Morning Brew with James Ross. If you liked her music and would like to keep up with her, check out her Instagram page at G W E N J I B I L L I E. Hong Kong is facing never-before-seen challenges since the pandemic began almost three years ago, due to fears of transmissions. Business such as gyms, beauty salons, restaurants, and more were hugely affected by this fifth wave. It's great that things are finally starting to ease up again, and we're somehow learning to live with this new normal. However, some have decided to leave Hong Kong due to frustration, and certain sectors are losing some talent. The SAR government remains positive that Hong Kong is still competitive amongst its neighboring regions. To tell us more is Secretary for Financial Services and the Treasury Christopher Ho, as he remains positive about Hong Kong's role as an international financial hub. Um, after all, uh, COVID is a uh, global situation, and also as you look at the number of the um, affected cases so and so forth, uh, we are still at a rather uh, high level. So I must say we still have to exercise caution and also vigilance as we adopt all these streamlining measures. That's number one. And number two, I would say, if you look at not just these measures per se, but also in terms of what motivates people to locate their business in Hong Kong, um, I think apart from this short-term COVID restrictions. We also have to look at the broader picture, in terms of what the opportunities and also what are the measures the government has, and also the business community has embraced to have more businesses being done in Hong Kong. Because if you look at the structural benefits or the advantages of Hong Kong uh, being in the heart of Asia, yet at the same time closely connected with the mainland, I think all these structural benefits are. When we will continue to stay, and this is something that we also continuously work on in such a way that we will continue to be an appealing place for everybody who want to do business here. Do you think, even though we have a lot of um, benefits and a lot of structural benefits, as you say, um, we didn't we need to replace these people that are leaving? Do, does Hong Kong have the talent pool to do that? Um, if you look at, like, for example, um, the um, latest policy address and also uh, our budget, in fact, the word talent 
uh, has been mentioned more than 50 times. And that really highlights the importance that we attach to talent. Because after all, Hong Kong is a small place, it's an open economy, uh, and talent is our most important single asset, and that we need to treasure that. And insofar as financial services is concerned, which is our people interactions, that's even more the case. And that's why if you whole look at the whole measures that we have put forward in terms of trying to groom our new sector, fintech, green finance, sustainability finance, and also at the same time how to train our existing people in the current business, IPO, um, equity market, bond market, all these measures will continue to be strengthened in such a way that Hong Kong will be appealing to everybody who wants to do business here. Do you think we need to do more, though? Um, I know we've got to strike a balance between the business concerns and the anti-pandemic efforts, but... Uh, we could um, make it easier to travel internationally, even if we can't get the borders open yet with mainland China. There would certainly be countries overseas that will be willing uh, to have open borders with us. Should we move ahead with that while we wait for the pandemic situation on the mainland to get under control? Yeah. We are not taking a waiting approach because, after all, if you look at how our efforts have been settled in, in terms of like how we deal with the affected cases, how we deal with quarantine situation, and also how we have streamlined the uh, quarantine arrangement, as I just highlighted, and also deal with the school issues, yeah, and also the chief executive has already highlighted a three-stage approach in, um, in, in terms of relaxing the social restrictions. We are not just waiting. After all, we are closely monitoring the situation and also have in place the right measures to deal with the situation at the right time. And um, let me ask you about the economy, because we had those PMI numbers yesterday. Our economic activity slid further into contraction in March because of these uh, lockdowns. The Hong Kong PMI fell to 42. Um, so it's the third consecutive month now. It's in, in contraction. And that contraction is accelerating. What can you do to try and, uh, if you like, rejuvenate Hong Kong's economy? Um, if you look at globally, I think we are not alone. After all, we are an open economy and what is happening in the rest of the world in terms of COVID and also uncertainties about geopolitical situation and also the pace of the interest rate hike. I think all these is going to factor into how our economy has been performing. So after all, I think what we need to stay to the basics in terms of looking at the fundamentals of Hong Kong and also work on those which are the key pillars of the economy to get us back to stage. And on that front, if you look at, like, for example, the recent budget speech, uh, we, in fact, we have a whole series of uh, long-term, short-term and medium measures um, to rejuvenate or to revive or to inject new stimulus to the economy. Like, for example, I'm sure that uh, most people will be able to take advantage of the coming release of the uh, first batch of the consumption voucher. Mm. And also at the same time, uh, we just recently um, approved the certain um, profit tax and also per personal service tax um, arrangement um, to give back to the economy. I think all these measures together, among others, will facilitate a transition to a better economy going forward. And if the economy gets worse and those PMI numbers uh, suggest that it is, will you consider more stimulus to try, try in the short term uh, to shore up the economy? In fact, the measures I just highlighted are not the only ones that we have contemplated. After all, if you look at holistically the whole suite of measures that we have put together, including, for example, the chief executive announcement regarding the uh, ESS and Promise of Scheme, and also the measures I just highlighted, and also a whole suite of medium and long-term measures, we strengthen the fundamentals of Hong Kong. I'm rather confident that all these together will be a strong impetus to our economy. 
and our Secretary for Financial Services and the Treasury, Christopher Ho, speaking to Peter Lewis on Money Talk. We're reaching April again, and my has time flown by so quickly. In a blink of an eye, it will be summer again. I miss having holidays off when I was still in school, especially the different camps and activities I could go to instead of staying at home staring at the TV all day. Coming up next, Kian Wong, the general manager at Faust International Youth Theatre in Hong Kong, joins Sadia Usmani on the 123 show with an update on upcoming creative and fun summer activities for young people. Yes, so you know, we have our creative writing, we have our summer theatre and musical theatre. Those are our three main programs. And then we also have specialized programs on Saturdays. Uh, so in the event, though, that we have to go online if things get locked down again, we'll continue to provide these programs online. So all of our teachers have had experience teaching online now. We've done that for the past couple of months. And I know that teaching online is not, you know, not many teachers' first preference when mm-hmm. it comes to these things. Uh, uh, but obviously we have to pivot and try our best to provide, you know, creative programs for the students. And actually, some of these programs have worked really well and flourished online. Uh, for example, comic illustration, uh, creative writing. Those are programs that could easily tra- translate to being online. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are some things like stage fighting. That might be a little bit <laughs> difficult to do online, but, uh, you know, that that's when we have to pivot and change and offer parents you know, different options for their children if they sign up for those. Okay. Well, let's run through some of the things that you've got. So you mentioned that there's kind of three main areas that you're looking at. Um, so do you want to just, you know, f- feast? <laughs> we can feast on all of those activities. Tell us what's happening. Sure, of course. Uh, for so, so for our summer theater program, that's a week-long program for children uh, ages 3 up to 16. So for the 3 to 4-year-olds, you know, they're, lear- they're learning basic skills and they're per- learning to present uh, in front of their parents. So we have parents come in on the last day. So it's one parent per child coming in and we share with them all the different drama skills that they've learned. For ages four and above, though, uh, those children will prepare a performance by the end of the week. So we meet them on the first day, get to know them, get to know their strengths and weaknesses and what they're interested in. And we have a library mm-hmm. of different scripts that we have available, and we choose which one would fit best for those children. So we meet the kids on the first day, and uh, this group would be great for them to do a, a more comedic role. Or these, kids, or we meet them on the first day, and they're very active. We, we want to focus something uh, that's a bit more movement-based. Uh, so we get the script, start working on on it from Tuesday to Friday, and on the last day we present uh, in front of our parents. So it's really like a real rush during the week. So it's something that the kids can look forward to and work up towards. So how many people are in that group? Are there quite, how many children would you have in that session? So in the before times, you know, we would have uh, a few more students in the classroom, but uh, in the studio, but obviously with COVID and concerns, we've actually decreased uh, the number of students in the class. So say a group of four to five-year-olds, we have about 16 maximum as okay. opposed to 18. Uh, we'd have like 
uh, 16 to 18 children, depending on the size of the room, mm-hmm. uh, and so on. So usually we would have, you know, up to 24, uh, 26 in a room, but we, we've reduced right. from that. Considerably, that's To make right. sure that it's, it's not too crowded. Mm-hmm. And, they, and these sessions, I mean, just for the children themselves, obviously it looks sounds like great fun, but a huge number of skills there are being taught and it's just about building confidence and getting out there for them to be able to present and do these things, isn't it? Yes, it's, it's so great uh, because with drama especially, you know, the children are, you know, they're learning performance skills, so they're learning, <clears throat> excuse me, how to project their voice, how to stand confidently on stage and how to stand on stage so that the, so that the audience can see them clearly and they can, you know, perform the characters and say their and perform the role uh, and tell the story. Like one of the key things that uh, my boss Matthew Gregory, the founder of uh, mm-hmm. Faust, mm-hmm. you know, he always said when we're preparing a production, remember to tell the story. It doesn't matter how you look in costume or uh, who's got the most lines, focus on telling the story Mm -hmm. and then everything just kind of falls away. That's right. And that's something that we really want to, you know, make sure that the children have those opportunities to tell really exciting, fun stories, you know, stories where we prioritize empathy and friendship. Uh, You know, we've done a lot of work over the last couple of years trying to choose stories where the focus is on those things, on empathy, on friendship, on building a community together uh, and uh, a bit less. There's some sword fighting, but n- not all the time. You know <laughs> I think I mean? the sword fighting is part is a central part of it. I'm sure they enjoy that thoroughly. <laughs> so that's, that's really good. I mean, I think that's that's a super sort of um, session because I can I can see that those skills are essential because they take those skills with them in the future, don't they, in all sorts of things that they do. Exactly. Uh, and uh, I actually, because we've been around for over 20 years, uh, you know, we've actually kept in contact with a lot of former students who have gone off to university, you know, oh, quite right. a few of them have, have gone on to study performing arts and uh, have been successful in the performing arts. Uh, and there's others who, you know, completely gone off somewhere else being lawyers. But those being, skills would still be used, absolutely. And I know that our work at Faust makes a difference uh, with children because, you know, they tell us themselves, like, you know, what they've learned from our classes, you know, uh, really emphasizing on working together as a team, uh, learning that, having that level of confidence that no matter what happens, you know, the show must go on, that they work together to present. And it's just really great. Kion Wong, the general manager at Faust International Youth Theatre in Hong Kong. To end today's program, I'll be leaving you with Steve James, as he is taking us back in time on the day in music. I'm Christy Lai, and I'll see you next week, same time here on The Week on 3. Is this going to be another crazy experiment that crosses a line man was not meant to cross? 10 seconds, 5. Stand by sound. Stand by effects 1, 2, and 2A. Good show, everybody. In 3... Steve James. I've been waiting all my life to hear that. Like a bolt from the blue, it came. Many have come to protest, many to pray, but most have come to participate in what has become the best show in town. Warning, warning. New Monday, how I hear New Monday. Call the storm in London.
With the boom-a-lack-a-zoom-a-lack-a-wee -a 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 But there isn't any roar when the clock strikes four Everything stops for tea Oh, a lawyer in a courtroom In the middle of an alimony plea Has to stop and help him for when the clock strikes four Everything stops for tea. This day, 1970, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young went to number one on the US album chart with Deja Vu, the first album which saw Neil Young joining Crosby, Stills & Nash. It featured three US top 40 singles, Teacher Children, Our House and Woodstock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 